In our culture, everything is based on success. But what is success and who to find it? That's the big question. Is it measurable? Can you obtain it? Can you dream it? Can you hold it? I'm on a quest to redefine how we view success, and I'd like to bring you on this journey. Welcome to Be Fulfilled. Welcome to Be Fulfilled. It's the real stories behind success. My name is Tony Grubmeyer, and today we're going to go up Success Mountain. We're going to be talking to a gentleman. Now, what I love about the person we're going to talk to today is his ability and his passion to just be better and to help the world to be stronger. He's a best-selling author, a transformational energy coach who helps people to get out of their own way. (laughs) I need that. Well, no wonder I'm talking to him today. His name is Andy Grant. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Tony. It's great to be here. You know, Andy, as I was kind of chatting with you a couple of weeks ago, and then now, the one thing I love is just you're calm, you're peaceful, you're kind of like, hey, the world's happening and I'm going to participate the way I do. I love that about you. I think it's a great way to live life. Well, I certainly have not always been this way, but I, I appreciate that. Well, let's talk a little bit first, but we're going to ask this question. What is your definition of success? Hmm. You know, what comes top of mind for that, my enjoyment, whatever I'm doing, if I like it, that's a success. And I could just, I could like that just, it's done. Maybe I didn't really enjoy the process, but now it's done. Great. Just the completion is success. But to me, it's got to be some sort of personal enjoyment, some satisfaction that I get from it. Now, you talked a little bit about you haven't always been this calm and relaxed and kind of just go with the flow kind of guy. Did something take place in your childhood that got to a pinnacle moment in your life where you're like, for things to change, I got to change. And, you know, Jim Rohn talks about it. For things to get better, I got to get better. Was there a time that you remember looking back at your life, maybe childhood, young adult, even maybe for me, it wasn't until I was 36 years old as a male that I decided I needed to do something different? Yeah, I was, uh, boy, I think I was 19 years old. And after multiple failed suicide attempts, I finally realized like, well, this isn't going well. And there's got to be a better way to navigate my life because ending it, you know, I'm not good at that either. So it really had to, I had to decide. Yeah, it was a decision that, all right, I must be here for a reason. Something's making me stick around. So what can I do with this? And that's what opened me up to just so much more than I thought I was. What was your life like at 19? What were you like as a human? Oh, boy. So I discovered I was ranked fourth in my high school graduating class, and it terrified me. So I tried to flunk. I stopped going to school. I was drinking a lot. I did not want to grow up. It was the total, you know, Peter Pan syndrome. I thought that you know, I was just the brightest idiot in my local town of idiots. I thought if I went to college, I would be screwed. I would be found out for the fraud that I was. So I, you know, I rejected full scholarships. I had no interest and I just did temp jobs. You know, everyone around me saw my potential, but, but I didn't. I really just thought low of myself. I thought the world was really against me. I thought, I thought life sucks, then you die. So why put up with this? Why bother? And yeah. growing up, you know, my own father would often say that high school is the best years of your life. And you know, high school wasn't great. And if that was the best, well, why continue? So you know, there were multiple suicide attempts in junior high and in high school. And then just realizing, all right, well, I'm here for some reason. What's it going to be? So 19 was really you know, deciding, can I be more? Am I willing to be more? Because that was a big thing. Am I willing to let go of this story of depression and suicide? Am I willing to be someone besides that? You know, it's powerful, right? And I tell people, if you're struggling today and you're thinking and you have these kind of thoughts in your head about suicide and ending it, I'll make sure that we put notes in here today. Please reach out to the Suicide Prevention 
you know, I've had suicide thoughts. I tried. I got a knock on the door that saved my life. We're talking to somebody today who had thoughts in his junior years in school and high school years in school. And I can't ask you, but I will because I'm going to go deep because I only believe that's one way to live life. Thoughts of suicide. Have you experienced that throughout kind of the rest of your life? Sure. And that's what became even more frustrating. There came a point in my life where I know I'm not going to do it, but why are the thoughts still there? Like when things get challenging, my default thought was like, well, screw it. I'm out of here. And I had to work hard to push through that to realize, all right, that's not really what I want. So what can I do about it? Yeah, no, I want to talk about that because I think that's a, anybody listening today, right? Here's the crazy thing is like left to our own devices. I'm usually screwed because my thoughts, at least for me at my age of 46 years old as a male, I kind of go back to my childhood and what my childhood was like. I remember getting picked on. I remember hearing the bully names. I hear like, you know, you're no good. You're a piece of shit. Basically, you know, your life is a mess. Oh, your father's gay. All of these things that I got as a child, they're still stored in my database, no matter how many times I've rewritten them over with new memories and new thoughts. Programming's weird. Programming can come up at a queue. You see a name, you see a location, you see something and it triggers that in you. What are some things that you've been able to do kind of in your work and also as you help coach people too, to kind of replace those thoughts and to not forget them? Because I don't think we ever really forget anything. I think we just kind of compress it and suppress it way far down. What are some things that you've seen work for yourself and others? Yeah. And much like you say, so I, I find that once you seriously contemplate suicide, that, that thought is never gone. Yep. Right. It can lessen, it can quiet down. So it's really just realizing, well, it's just a thought. And I can think that thought without taking an action. So to me, there's a big difference. And when it's just a thought, I'm like, well, I don't like this thought. It doesn't feel good. And that's part of the cycling down. Focusing on a thought that doesn't feel good makes you feel worse and worse. So I really, one of the best things I learned was just thought pivoting, right? Forcing myself to think about something else that felt better distracting myself with a comedy or something on TV or reading a book or playing with my dog, whatever it is, just, oh, here's that bad thought. I don't want to live down this road again. So I'm going to, with conscious choice, focus on a different thought. No, that's powerful. I mean, I think Mel Robbins talks a little bit about it in her, you know, five minute deal is the five second rule is about literally when that thought comes, you got to in that moment, think of something else. You got to get away from that thought. How are you in the morning when the alarm goes off? You hit snooze or do you get up? No, I get up. I used to not be a morning person. One of the biggest practices that changed my life was meditation. And I began doing it in the morning. And soon I was waking up without an alarm. And for years, I haven't set an alarm in years. You know, I do all sorts of things like wake up with the sun, which I thought were just, you know, crazy people did that. But so my natural rhythms, once I got rid of the fake rhythms of wanting to die, yeah, I wake up, I'm in a pretty damn good mood, like 90% of the time, really. It's, yeah, you uh, always have a smile on your face. You always seem to be that guy who's just like, hey, whatever the day is going to bring, I'm excited and ready for it. And I think that's a positive way to live. But it sounds like, you know, there was some struggle early on. And oh, yeah. now when you look at kind of like you're a best-selling author, talk a little bit about your work. Talk a little bit about that. I think it was like 2006, 2008, I first made a video talking about my suicidal past. And part of the thing of realizing when it changed my life was, well, maybe I went through all this painful stuff so that I can help someone else. I, mm. you know, in hindsight, I realized that I was a really empathic kid and I would feel the pain and the tears and the upset and the torment around me and thought it was all me. I remember in uh, the third grade, bursting into tears on the school bus and having no idea why. What is this? And almost like it wasn't mine. I was feeling the anxiety of other people, but it came out through me somehow. So knowing that there was a way to serve, there was a way to teach to one of the books I've written is called Still Here, How to Succeed in Life After Failing at Suicide. And I wrote it because here's everything I wish I knew at 17. 
right? It's positive thinking, it's affirmations, it's meditation, it's realizing that I'm a lot more than just this meat suit, right? I'm not malfunctioning chemicals, which is what doctors told me. Yep. So when I, as a teenager, sought help, which was rare, but when I sought help, I was told there's nothing we can do, but you can take these drugs for the rest of your life. And it just like, there's got to be something more than that. And there is. Discovering that I'm actually a spiritual being and that, you know, this thing called Andy Grant, this is temporary, that made it all easier. <laughs> Bob and- Proctor talks about that. And I didn't get it until I realized even hanging with my friend, Sean Stevenson, he's like, it's just my container. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So in my quest to get better, like I've searched high and low. So I was even involved in Scientology. I was a Scientologist, a card-carrying Scientologist. They really give you a card for a year until I was kicked out. But what they did for me was they were the first, I wasn't raised with any religions. They were kind of my first religion. And they convinced me that I was more than just my body. So they gave me the gift of convincing me that I was somehow some spiritual aspect to me. Yeah. And I mean... Look, I mean, I went to Landmark Education and a lot of people said, you know, you drank the Kool-Aid and you went to a cult and all these types of things. And I was like, no, actually for me, it was quite different. It was actually conversations that allowed me to dissect some of the things that I have experienced or felt and I didn't really know or have an outlet to discuss them. And what I realized is, is those thoughts come and those thoughts go. And that's that fight or flight for me so many times in life, right? And then I remember five years ago, I was riddled with anxiety. And a buddy called and said, can I talk to you? And he said, you know, Tony, there's the most powerful thing we forget, and that is to stay. Mm. That that thought comes for a moment and that leaves. Like, it doesn't mean you have to act on it. Just because you see a wave and you're a surfer doesn't mean you have to go surf it. Like, you can let those things go. But it's really hard, for this guy at least, to let a lot of things go. What are some things that you are working on in your life that have come up that, you know, you can see yourself 100% like, oh, man, I need to do it. And then all of a sudden, you just have that last-minute decision to stay. You mean stay here, stay alive? Just stay, just to stay in the moment. Don't let things get, I think we get caught up in what's going on around us and we pretend like we have to take all that energy on. We have to take all of that stuff on. Mm. So what are some things that, I'll reframe it. What are some things that you do in your life to help you to stay present, stay in the moment, to stay really grounded and not let those thoughts that come really quick to take over? So again, daily meditation practice. One of the coolest things I've done in recent years is get involved with a modern mystery school which gives me a lot of rituals, which I've always had rituals and a gratitude journal. And I always encourage people to make your own rituals. And now I use these rituals that have been around for thousands of years that really help me set my energetic container and take control of a space and just be me regardless of what's going on around me. So it's really concrete tools and practices that I keep finding work great. (laughs) All right. So I got to ask, modern mystery school. Tell me what that is. All right. Have you ever heard of a mystery school? No. Oh, okay. So I remember growing up and seeing this like on in search of or something, but back in the day, I'm talking, you know, way back, thousands of years, early man, I think that there were seven ancient mystery schools. One was Tibet, one was Egypt, and they watched you and they pulled you in. And it was very, did you see the movie Doctor Strange? Yes. Loved right. it. He went to a mystery school when he knocked on and teach me in that, that place. That was the Tibetan mystery gotcha. school. Okay. So the modern mystery school traces its lineage back to King Solomon. That was the second son of David, slayer of Goliath, you know, the second king of the Jews. And King Solomon saw that there would be time when humanity was going to really need all these tools, all this consciousness, all the things that they were taking for granted at this time that people actually were social. It wasn't social media. People saw each other. You know, communities were together and vibrant. So in his temple, he brought together shamans and leaders and teachers and healers from all across the planet. And they worked on each other for 30 years, teaching each other 
the different healings, practicing healings on each other. And what worked for everybody became the foundation of the mystery school. It didn't require specific dogma, not a specific religion, and it had to work for everybody. So these universal practices. So the mystery school, it stayed quiet. They would watch you. They would keep an eye on you and your family and, you know, you'd be invited in. And it was, you know, it survived upheavals of societies and wars. And the modern mystery school is called that because it opened up to the public in the late 90s. It had been an unbroken lineage and they decided, you know, this stuff, what we can share with people has to become brought up to the public. When I first heard of it, I was like, yeah, nonsense. And then a few years later, it surfaced back to me. And that time I was hooked with the history and the practice. But it's all by, for me, and I think for all human beings, our experience is our best way to learn. And the thing that I trust most is my experience. So again, I learned these rituals. There was a stretch last year when my dad was dying of cancer. I'd been unemployed for a year and a half. Thought we were going to lose our house. I stopped doing the rituals. I was ready to spiral down and said, you know what? What can I do today? I'm sick of feeling like crap. What can I do? So I started my rituals again. And the moment I did them again, I was like, wow, I feel better. So that's the power of the school, but they teach healings and activations. And I just finished a 10-month journey through Kabbalah, which is just the tree of life and manifesting. And I manifested a brand new Tesla X by the end of Kabbalah. I manifested a trip to Jordan and Israel that I'm about to go on in two weeks. So it's by my experience, the mystery school is freaking amazing. No, that that sounds like it. So is there a specific path someone should follow if they're like, hey, I'm interested in learning more? Is there a specific, you said ancient times there was like six. So what does that look like today? So the mystery school, there are centers all around the world. They have major headquarters in London, Toronto, Brazil, Japan. Near me, there's a large community in Boston. So that's where I started. There's a big community in Austin, Texas. They're in Seattle. They're in Los Angeles. They're in Minneapolis. Search for Modern Mystery School and you'll find a website. But you know there are things that are open to anybody. They have meditations and information nights. There are initiations that are powerful and sacred. Their teachings are only done teacher to student. There's not books. There's not videos. It's just old-fashioned, hello, here's how we do this. Would you like to learn more? Boom. But yeah, it's given me a sense of community. Probably, much, well, no, not like you. You actually, you do a lot of different work. So most of my work is done at home. Most of my clients is remote. So I can be very isolated. So one thing the mystery school has brought me is a community. I go and I see people and, you know, we do things. No, I love that because it's talking about being a coach. You know, I love the healing stuff too. And I love the fact that we talked about it twice, you know, just your morning routine, right? So many of us, I say I get done more by nine o'clock than most people do all day because it's just, I get up early and I love my way that my life is set. I journal, I meditate, I get to a meeting, you know, I just recently gave up caffeine. That was something big. I'm on day six right now. of just giving up caffeine, right? Just trying something different, just to get connected more to who I am without a stimulant needing to change the way I feel. Mm, So working on that kind of stuff. Do you drink coffee? I don't. Well, I can take that back. I never used to. And now I, I'll have a like cold, a nice coffee to a week is kind of my max, but for years I'd never had. I learned that. So I'm very interested. That's why I'm fascinated. Like when we're talking about the mystery stuff, because I, I go back and I mean, my neighbor, Todd McGuire talks about, you know, everyone's a teacher. Someone's teaching you a lesson, good or bad today, right? They're going to teach you something. So I'm learning from you great things today as a really strong teacher of like, I think that the term that I would write and kind of put next to your name today is open-mindedness. When you talk to Andy, you have to be open-minded, right? You have to have the I think for us to grow as individuals, we can't be closed-minded. We have to say, hey, I don't know. So does it sound interesting? Cool. I have the willingness and desire now. I'm going to go seek. I'm going to go do some investigative work. I'm going to go figure out what is possible. Where do you find most of your coaching clients? A lot come from the podcast. A lot come from, they come from everything I do. Like I, 
I feel alive and good when I'm creating and expressing and putting things out into the world. And I right. just find it a people, you know, it always catches different people. And, you know, they, let's talk a little bit about your podcast, right? The Real Men Feel podcast show. Right now, how many years have you been running that? Two years. And how did you start out? Just a, basically just a couple episodes, just have some fun and see what happened. Yeah, I was actually, so most of my coaching clients have always been women. And women have always assumed because I'm, you know, this crazy bald guy that I must have a lot of just male, males must be attracted to me and I have lots of male clients. I'm like, no, most men, it's getting better. Most men aren't willing to go deep, to grow. That's, I don't know if your experience is like mine. So many personal growth events I've gone through the years, I've been the only guy or we've been like, we might max out at 10% of the audience is men. And, but it is getting better. But so I was invited to come speak and I was telling people that I wanted to do, I wanted to call out to men. I feel like men had to be called out (laughs) and invited in somehow. Someone asked me if I would come speak about masculinity. And I was like, sure, because that's what I try to do. Then I got home. I was like, what the hell am I going to say? I like, I haven't even felt like a man all my life. I don't, I, what, what is being a man? So as I was playing with this presentation, I was like, well, what if a real man was considered this or that? And like, wow, what if a real man felt? Oh, yeah. What, what if, and, you know, seeing someone, seeing a teary male, you meant, oh, what a real man that is. So that's where the real men feel title came from. And the presentation went great. I just wanted to do more. So I, I asked another friend of mine who's a coach, and we started off on Blab when that was a thing, when yep. people could just find you and join your conversation. So it started on Blab. The goal was to do it once a month. By the second episode, we were both like, I really like this. Let's keep going. And it was just us talking to each other for a few. And then by episode six, people were asking to be guests. I was like, oh, that's a thing. And it just grew. So it's been weekly. I just released today, episode 127. Now I've, you know, I get people contacting me, people wanting to be on, agencies and agents reaching out to me. So it's, it's really grown organically and it's been fun and it's helped me appear in other people's shows and just speak more comfortably to be myself, to perfecting my practice of being the smiley, open-minded guy that you're seeing. And to touch on the open-mindedness, I want to point out that everything I do now on a daily basis is something I made fun of for years mm. before I did it. So I acknowledge that and just let anyone know that, oh, that guy sounds crazy. Like, yeah, if I met me, I'd think I sounded crazy too, but I invite myself to be willing enough to try something and have an experience. You know, Andy, one of the things that I love is sitting down having a conversation and the general thesis is, or idea is like, hey, we're just going to get to discover each other. We're going to learn. And so when we were talking before we actually got to the show, talked about deep, right? And I believe that's where the human soul gets connected. I think the ego lives in the shallowness of, you know, hip check comments and suggestions. But like when you get to the deep, the core of what makes me who I am, that's where I resonate really, really at a high level with your soul, who you are. You know, I got out of bed today. Yeah, I got a chance to kiss my wife and see my dogs and walk out the door and get to the office and do all these things. But I got out of bed today for contribution at the highest level. I'm still trying to contribute to what I should not be here because, you know, like you talk about suicide and depression. And for me, I experienced a lot of that. And then next thing I know, I didn't want to be around. And now I do. I now want to live at such a high level that, you know, I want to leave a legacy. You know, I want to live out the rest of my life living out my dreams because I don't want my dreams to outlive me. Mm. I want to get to the end when you're talking about manifestation and you're talking about, you know, a Model X or talking about going to Jordan and Israel, like in that thought process is manifestation. And I think that, I think we're ashamed to tell people what we really, really want because we're afraid of somebody telling us no and we're being or made fun of or you're an idiot. That'll never happen. 
at least that was my experience. And I know I, I can go to that replay in my head on that cassette tape, you know, the one that I have Prince's 1999 on, on the other side is you're not good enough, right? I have those tapes and, yeah. and I just have choice every day because you are also talking about decision is to make those powerful decisions to be present and to get deep with you as fast as possible. Because yeah. nothing good lives on the surface. Right. Nothing good. It has to go deep. Yeah. What are your thoughts around that? I totally agree. Yeah. But it's, you're saying it's just me. Well, it feels like it's just us, but every human being wears masks and is afraid of being judged and afraid of being cast out. And I just find over and over again, the more authentic, the more vulnerable I am, I'm greeted with people saying, yeah, I feel the same way. Wow. And service is always rewarded, but I didn't know that, you know, and there's not a school for that. Or if someone told me that I would have said, oh, that sounds like a crock of shit. I'm not going to buy that. But Another thing I tell myself and tell clients often is that selfishness has become underrated. When a good person who is selfish, as you light up, as you do more, as you create, and as you expand, and as you express, it helps everyone else. So someone who's committed to being of service, embracing selfishness, keeps them going. Like you, that legacy, that contribution, like that all makes you feel good at some point. Yep. Yeah. So you selfishly wanting to feel good helps everybody you come into contact with. Yeah, no, I, you know, in the program of recovery that I'm in, I talk about selfish and self-centeredness because that's part of what we talk about, right? And I say, you got to be selfish. You really do, but you got to be doing it in such a way where it's not a negative, it's a positive, it's an empowerment piece, right? right? Like I have to be selfish with my time because if I don't, those people who text you, you have five minutes, right? Do you have five minutes? I got, hey, Andy, I got a quick question. Do you have 10 minutes you can give me? And one of my friends said, you know, you should text back saying, I do, but what's it in regards to? Would you send it to me in an email? Right. So whatever that thing that you're thinking about, would you shoot it to me in an email? Because then it causes them to actually take a moment and realize, hey, your time's valuable. So is theirs. They need to get their thought across. Otherwise, you just, I get a lot of phone calls. Like, hey, Tony, you got five minutes. Hey, Tony, I need that. You got a favor to ask you. So it's interesting today. You know, I couldn't be more excited when you mentioned Dr. Strange. I can't wait for the number two to come out because the reason I loved it so much was that mystical kind of idea. What do we really have at the moment we live in right now? What do we have control over? So I'm going to ask you a couple extra questions. So what do you think? Do you have control over your choices? Certainly. Cool. Do you have control over your emotions? Hmm. I have control over changing my emotions. Sometimes emotions show up and they're like, they, yeah, they can start without my control, but I can control them kind of. Yeah. And, and you can control how you manage your day, right? You can control it, right? Oh, yeah. It's interesting though, because from the Real Men Feel Project from talking to you about the magic school and the stuff and talking about your healing, it's all energy. Yeah. Everything that we're talking about today is energy, right? So when our energy is down, we have those negative thoughts. We do something to turn them around and turn them positive, right? Turn our thoughts. So let's talk about some big things because you mentioned it and I want to acknowledge it. I think it's really cool when you say, hey, I am taking off. I am going to Israel. I'm going to go to Jordan. I am I think you said your wife is Jewish, right? And so you're going to go learn a little bit about what she's into and her background and her family. And then you're going to learn for some stuff for you. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about that manifestation and having those things that you think about come true. What does that feel like to you deep down inside? Oh, it feels amazing. The first time you manifest anything, like it feels godlike. Like, hey, that because the way manifestation was explained to me, like everything around you was first a thought, right? So your thoughts do matter. 
and everything that you can buy that's been sold to you. Like, again, that was on someone's version of a vision board. They're working through their mind. They're somehow trying to create it. So everything does have to be manifested. Everything is first in thought, which means it is first in energy. So by focusing on the things that you don't yet have, but giving it positive energy, holding it out as if, you know, it's not going to shock you to have it. It just, things line up. Again, my mantra was, you know, life sucks, then you die. And like, no, like the entire universe is on our side. Like life isn't fair. Life is tilted to our advantage. It's a freaking miracle. Any of us are here. All the things going against that one sperm, finding that one egg and you making out of the birth canal. Like all of that is freaking amazing. When I stopped taking that for granted, I could appreciate and feel that amazement and truly feel that gratitude for every moment. And all of that is energy, like energy attracts itself. So when you're feeling enjoyment, when you're feeling gratitude, more things align in your life to feel happy and joyous and grateful for. I like it. Ladies and gentlemen, what we're going to do is we're going to pause for the cause. We're going to take a break with Andy Grant today. We're talking about stuff. I'll tell you nine times out of 10, you're not going to talk about in your day to day. It's not ego. It's just life. People go a million miles an hour. We're stuck in routine. Do we ever really take a moment to really talk about the things that matter the most? Why are you going to that job? Why'd you get up today? Why are you in that relationship? What is it that you're looking for? Have you found what it is that you dream of? Are you really working on why you're getting out of bed in the morning or more on like, I have to get out of bed in the morning and we're going to come back. We're going to talk about some more stuff. We talked about suicide. We talked about changing our thoughts in the moment when we feel off. Talked about like energy, attracting like energy. We talked about something that I thought was really cool, the modern mystery school. So we're going to be talking a little bit more about that when we come back from break. But right now, today's special guest is Andy Grant. Are you suffering from marketing dysfunction? Are you not able to perform online as well as you could when you were younger? Unable to keep up with the intimate demands of buying product, running offers, and shipping items to your customers? Say hello to Ship Offers, clinically proven to enhance the growth and longevity of your business. Get some today at shipoffers.com. All right, we are back on the Be Fulfilled Show. My name is Tony Grebmeyer. Today's special guest, Andy Grant. Now, this guy is the best-selling author, a transformational energy coach. He helps people to get out of their own way. If you just look him up on Facebook and you just kind of begin to look into him, he's not sitting still waiting for things to happen. He is literally out making things happen. I mean, his gamut of things about his life, it's visible. He shares it. You know, he's an actor. I love that. I love that you've got your SAG card. I love the fact that you're a visionary at Project Positive Change. You're a founder at Real Men Feel and a podcaster. You're a healer at the Modern Mystery School. You yourself are doing big things. You've worked for Cisco. I mean, you've had all of these things that you've done in your life. But I think the most powerful and positive one that I've got today is a man who is constantly evolving and not staying still. I love that because that's what, you know, energy can't stay bound. It always is expanding. So what I wanted to do is say thank you very much, first and foremost, for being a guest today on the show. And I also want to talk to you about how can you help me get out of my own way? I want to chew on that for a few more minutes. I was in the opening comments and then I'm coming back to it. I'm like, how can you help me get out of my own way? Because I believe sometimes I am my worst enemy. Good. Well, that's where it starts to recognize that. So I used to fear responsibility because I thought responsibility and blame are really the same thing. But until anyone takes full responsibility for their life, they can't change it. And there's only one thing in between you and your dreams. It's you, right? You're doubting it. You're not putting all the effort into it. You're keeping it just a dream. To have a dream come into fruition, it takes action. I can't just meditate and think happy thoughts. You know, I have to get up each day and take action. You know, we talked earlier, you know, I'm a spiritual being. 
but I'm in this physical container right now. And I'm in this physical container so I can do stuff. We're here to do things. And the only constant, the only guarantee we have in life is change. I used to fear change, reject change. I don't want anything to change. Talked earlier. I didn't want to graduate high school. The future is scary. Let me just, let me go backwards. Can I please go back to the seventh grade? Can I just be a freshman again? Can I just hide? You know, can I stay in lunch in the cafeteria for the rest of my life? No, you can't. When I accepted that, took responsibility for, well, you know, I can't change my past. I can change right now, which leads my future to change as well. So that's the core about anyone getting out of their own way is realizing, accepting that they are in the way. It's not blaming someone else. It's not, you know, outside circumstances are just that, outside circumstances. How do you react to them? What are you going to do about them? What are you going to do with them? So getting out of your own way is really about empowerment. It's taking responsibility, taking control of your life. You know, that word scares a lot of people is empowerment. I think a lot of people don't like to be empowered. It's scary if you're not used to it right? It's a change. A lot of people don't want to outshine, outdo their parents. They're simply, they don't want to be, well, you know, more money, more problems. And that kind of, you know, croc scenario with more money can do a lot more good as well. Are you an only child? I am. Parents growing up, what did that look like to you? What was mom and dad? How was their support of you growing up? Their verbal support was extraordinary. They divorced. I have no memories of them together. They divorced young. When they got split, I started getting molested by a neighbor. So I just, uh, yeah, it was just the world was not safe. I couldn't trust them. So they talked a good game, but like life was not going my way. So, but yeah, they were, and it's also catch 22. I write about this as a suicidal kid. If my mom says she loves me and I'm a great boy and I can do anything I want. Well, she has to say that she's my mom. And if my mom says you suck, get out of the house. I hate you. Well, now it's even my mom hates me. So there's, there's like no win. When you think low of yourself, there's no good path that a parent can't love you enough to love yourself. And that's what I do. You know, that's how I got up my own way. Realized that I could love myself, that I was worthy of love. And that if I didn't love myself, the attempted love I get from others was just never going to be enough. That statement right there about, you know, I love you. And then the other one, right? Get out of my house like that. That's a pretty powerful one because I don't think a lot of people really can get that. You know, I'm writing a book like nine chapters in. I love you. I'm sorry. Goodbye. So growing up, I hated the word. I love you. If you love me, why do you do those things to me? Right. I relate really, really well to what you're talking about. Like, I'm sorry. Why do you keep doing those things to me? Why do you keep saying you're sorry? Right. And then goodbye. It's just easier, you know, but you caused me to kind of just stop in my tracks for a moment because that's at my core right? Today, when my wife and I are, you know, not doesn't even have to be intimate, but when we talk and she says, I love you, she says, like, I, like, I love you. Like, I love the person you are. Like, I love the man you've become. I love the father that you are. Mm-hmm. Like, that speaks so much more to kind of my soul today than when you, someone just brushes off and just says, I love you. I love you, Andy. Have a good day. Bye. Right? Yeah. So, I, I love that because I couldn't take that on as a kid. I feared love because if it was love, then why'd you molest me? So it was very powerful. I just got to tell you, like it, it caused me to really kind of just shift because I, I don't think a lot of people can acknowledge that unless they've experienced it. Yeah. I can love you and not love everything you do. Yep. Yeah. There's a difference. And ideally in your family, you have unconditional love, right? Someone loves who you are, Tony, the man you are, not the things you do, not the things that could go away, but just who you are at your core. No, I love that. That's a big deal. So what I'm going to do, what I want to kind of learn as we kind of get down to the bottom of the mountain today, I want to talk. I think it's hard 
for a lot of people to open up and get candid about it. But how are you today in your emotional state feeling wise about love? The concept or a particular relationship, the concept yep. of love. Ah, boy, love really is the most powerful force. I, you know, to go Star Wars, I do believe love is the force, but it's also people repel it. You know, people, it makes people uncomfortable. Like people, because they don't feel worthy of love, a lot of people just push it away. And it's the love of life. It's not just the love of another person. It's something that I used, you know, I didn't think life loved me. I didn't think life wanted me to be here, but it does. Again, the universe is on our side. Love courses through everything. And if you don't believe it with people, you know, go look in the eyes of your a cat, a dog, go to a petting zoo, you know, look at a goat, you know, go connect with something else that, you know, isn't judging you and feel that love. I like that. Well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to jump you into the fulfillment round. I've got a bullet list of some questions for you. You can't phone a friend because we don't have any access to technology. You can't take a pause for the cause. You can't do anything other than answer. And if you don't know, I ask you just to give me your best guess. All right. Deal? Deal. Um, They're not here to hurt you. They're here to help us get to know Andy Grant just a little bit better. At the end of it, we'll drop all the links so you can go check out his podcast. You can understand what he does. You can learn about how maybe you can get some coaching from him. You can learn about his healing. You can just learn about this awesome person that I've had the opportunity to interview today. So if you're ready to enter the fulfillment round, just say, I'm ready. I'm ready. All right. So Jordan and Israel, you said places that were on your list. How come? Oh, I, one of the things that helped me feel better about life, I live on a planet. I want to see as much of the planet. I've been to 15 countries so far. You know, it's certainly my goal to be on every continent before I die. I don't know if it's, oh, I was going to say it's not realistic. Fuck realistic. It's, <laughs> it's, it's a goal for me to visit every country before I die there. I like it. All right. What are you looking forward to most about your time away with your wife? New experiences, new people, new, and the way that new experiences can connect me and my wife, I always get a great bond. I always leave a vacation with someone that I know and is a, like a best friend the rest of my life. There's something, you know, contained, you know, it's only a week somewhere, but that when you're with someone new for, you know, 24 hours a day, if you're on the same trip with them or something, there's a tremendous bond that happens. So yeah, I love the newness of experiences and places and food and people seeing sites that I've only seen pictures of. A big draw for me on this trip is Petra. Going to do a night in Petra. Going to see Petra by candle night. So it should be sick. Yeah, the uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, right? Is that, right. that brings a little bit of that, like, I wonder what it's going to be like. I'm excited for you. I think it's fascinating. I have a dear friend of mine who just got back this summer. He said it was blast. He said it was just a lot of fun. It was, he really loved Israel as well. When it comes to food, your go-to, what's your favorite type of food? My favorite food is pizza. Really? Yeah. You have a specific, do you think when people put pineapple on pizza, does that belong or not belong? And, uh, no, not in mine, it doesn't. Okay. What's your go-to pizza if you had an order right now and we were going to come over for dinner? Buffalo chicken. Really? Yep. One of the best buffalo chicken. It's getting more popular, but there's places near me in Massachusetts that just, that's my last meal on death row. Like that buffalo chicken pizza from this one. Are you a sports fan? Yeah. I've been to three Super Bowls. I've had New England Patriots season tickets for 10 years, but I get less and less. What do you think about Tom Brady? Most extraordinary athlete I've seen in my lifetime. Better than that. He's an extraordinary man. Yeah. His love of family, his commitment to parents, children, wife, the shit he takes from you know going on to Oprah. I was all over sports media in Boston. Like, what's he doing talking to Oprah? He should be throwing balls. He should be practicing. Like, I was like, good God, he has a life outside of the game. Like, let him have it. I think he's just a fantastic human being. Yeah. I was sitting at a luncheon the other day and we were talking about Belichick and Brady. We were talking about how, you know, during this last playoff game, I think four touchdowns were scored by a two different players or three different players that had never, ever 
scored in the playoffs before. He makes ordinary extraordinary. Like not yeah. many people in my lifetime I've ever been able to say that against. I mean, I saw Jordan and I loved it and I got a chance to watch Magic Johnson and you see a lot of these great athletes at the high level. But I don't, I don't think I've seen somebody at 41 look literally, if, if I didn't know his age, would think he's 32, you know, maybe 29, in great shape. His training regimen is ridiculous yeah. and loves the game and studies it and understands it. And then you got the chess master over there, just I'll help turn this pawn into a king. Like I'll turn this pawn into, you know, a knight. Like I'll turn whatever I can, whatever you give me, I get better. And that's a little bit of magic. I think it's a little yeah. bit of a mystery too, but everybody, you don't have to like the Patriots. And a lot of people I know don't, but I'll yeah. tell you the one thing that you should love is the study of the game. You should love the fact that you got two dynamic pieces. Tell me what Super Bowls you got a chance to participate in. 36, 38. 39. So what about this year? I don't feel great about that. I, you know, and I have this debate all the time. Like at this point, I don't want them to go to Super Bowls and lose. I'd rather lose in the playoffs because those Super Bowl losses are horrible. One of the peak experiences of my life was at Super Bowl ugh, 38. We had flown down on a charter with the team. We're at the party after the win. I've got Rodney Harrison with his arm in a sling telling the story of how he broke his arm on the field and had to stay in and play for a game. I got Bob Kraft walking by with a trophy. I was like, this is the peak. And it's really ever since then. Like now I have less interest in football because I've had my peak. I'm not going to play. But so I was there with the team after a a Super Bowl win. And it's just like, well, nothing's going to compare to that. So I even, you know, I don't try to. I think it's fantastic. I mean, I'm glad I asked you that question because I always like to get to know people. So 70s or 80s when it comes to music? 80s. Cool. Favorite 80s band or kind of maybe moment in the 80s you can share? Oh, well, my nickname in college was Metal. So Motley Crue, Whitesnake, Ozzy, still Metallica. Yeah, I'm a metal man. All right. Last question we'll get to today. Your tombstone's going to have this statement on it. What do you think it would read as? Wow, I have never thought of that. Hmm. Done. You know, Andy, I just got to say thank you for going on a journey today with us up Success Mountain and back down just to really understand that you're just an extraordinary human being doing the best you can with what you got. And every day you're trying to make people around you better. I don't think there's a better way to live life than one of service, one to help others to find their best self, help others by getting out of their own way too, which is, you know, first a little bit of that ownership. But you said something in the beginning and I'm going to, I'm going to hold fast to that decision. It's the most powerful thing we forget about is I just need to make a decision. And even when I was reading Think and Grow Rich again last night, decision, you know, it's such a powerful thing. So many of us make a decision and we doubt ourselves. I didn't doubt anything on this show today with you. I just really enjoyed Candid and just who you are as a human being and just your ability to kind of just share. And you went down some dark paths and you came out, you know, helping and hoping other people can improve. And I love that about you because that's really about you saying, hey, look, I'm an open book. If something I said can benefit you and it could help you, then hey, that's why I said it. Yeah. So thank you very much for being a guest today on the show. It's a great honor. I really enjoyed this and you're doing great work here. Well, thank you very much. That is Andy Grant. My name is Tony Grebmeyer. Until next time, no matter where you go, no matter what you do, remember to choose or maybe today even decide to make today the absolute best day of your life. Thanks for listening to today's show. But before you go, let me ask you a question. How would you like to be the architect of your journey in this game we call life? Take the next step now at trainersanddrivers.com and download my free mini course designed to give you more clarity and freedom in your day. It might just change your life forever. Forever.